Happy Sunday. We all right? All right. Well, hey, <laughs> my name's Cody Wason. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, I think I'll forever better be known as the guy in that video. Um, and I just, I don't think David Drees, the other gentleman in that video, is still here, but I want to just give us a little credit that <laughs> we showed up to that couch about 10 minutes before that video was shot, no script. We threw out some ideas. We hit record and said, let's see what happens. And that was our first take. So that was all real. None of that was planned. And uh, I'm, okay, I'm just prideful about it. I think we did pretty good for one, uh, for one take. Well, hey, if you're new with us tonight, welcome to the family. That's our heart is that we would be a family uh, that lives life together, that loves Jesus and that pursues him and uh, last week, we were able to jump into a, and kick off the fall semester. Any new college students here? Any college students? This is your first time? Let's go. Give it up for them. Wow. Let's go. Welcome. I got my start as the college pastor back in the day, so I have a special heart for you guys. Um, but we are, like I said, excited to jump into the fall. Last week, we kicked off the series For the Love, and we talked about what do we want to be marked as as people? And maybe some of you will get this. Maybe it'll go over some of your heads. But I talked about, or first and foremost, we want to love Jesus. And uh, I talked about the difference between actually experiencing the love of Jesus uh, versus having a celebrity crush. So I talked about Topanga from Boy Meets World. That was my celebrity crush growing up. Uh, it went over most of this row, it looks like, or section. But that actually landed in the first service a lot better. So interesting. But talked about the difference between having a celebrity crush on Jesus and actually knowing him and loving him. Talked about being people who are rooted in the word of God, who are led by the spirit, and who are on mission. If you didn't get a chance, if you weren't here, uh, if you didn't get a chance to check it out, I would encourage you to check it out on our podcast. I don't always plug that, but it's a great resource and a foundational message for who we want to be as a people. Now, going into tonight, I want to continue the conversation of who we are at Antioch and what we're all about. I want to talk about where we've been, where we've come from. I want to tell the story of Antioch, Salt Lake City. And then at the end, I want to talk about what's next for us as a church and talk about some practicals. Now, when I talk about the story of Antioch, Salt Lake City, I can't do that without talking about the movement that is known as Antioch. So if you're new or you haven't heard me talk about it before, we're not just an isolated church out here operating in Salt Lake City, but we're a part of a family a network, a movement, whatever you want to call it, uh, called Antioch that is, all, that is all over the world. Uh, there are 40 Antioch churches in the United States. There's uh, work, Antioch works and missionaries and churches happening in 40 nations around the world. We are a part of, uh, and we're honored to be a part of a huge extended family where you could show up to any one of our churches on a Sunday, especially in America. You could go up to Seattle or, let's see, I'm thinking about the ones that are closest to us. You go up to Seattle or Phoenix or Fort Collins or San Diego or, or L.A., and you're going to see a, 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 you're going to go to Antioch, you're going to get a different expression because most churches do and should reflect the personality of their city. Uh, but it's going to be the same heartbeat, the same DNA of what they're all about. I love being a part of the movement. And it just so happens that in the timing of heaven, uh, the first church plant that was ever started by Antioch back in 1999 just celebrated its 20-year anniversary, and that was a church that started in a little town called Waco, Texas. And uh, so they celebrated 20 years 
uh, of being Antioch. So that's where the first church ever started, and that's where the Antioch Global Movement got its start from. And so they put together a little documentary, and I thought, man, I love church, I love family, I like to do things a little out of the box. Why don't we have movie night at church? So actually, and no one's excited. Actually, I'm going to watch a movie. Y'all can go home if you want. So, uh, but uh, we're going to, they put together a 20-minute documentary, and, and we're going to watch the first 11 minutes of it. And uh, my wife and I are big believers that you don't watch movies. We barely get through a sitcom without popcorn. So if the ushers want to come forward, we've got some popcorn for y'all. Finally, you guys are awake. It took a 75-cent bag of popcorn, but you're in. So it's about to be a little chaotic. I'm just going to commentate for a moment. We care about holistically you as a person, so we got skinny pop. For those of you that are just on the diet, I don't know all the allergen information. If you need to know, just read the bag. Salt? I don't know. Joy? <laughs> I'm telling you. I see. I'm looking around. The joy in the room. People are like in awe. We got like 300 bags for like $3. I'll tell you where you can get it. Just kidding, but it's not that expensive. Is it good? Yeah, it's rain problem. Once I feel like I can have attention again, we'll, we'll keep going. This is going to be awesome on the recording, by the way. Hey, Mom. My mom listens to every recording, so hey, Mom. Miss you. Hope you and Dad are well. They're just throwing popcorn randomly now. Jack Danks is throwing it against the wall. For no apparent reason. Okay. Can we circle back? All right. Y'all with me? All right. Okay. Hey, so what we're about to do is watch uh, 11 minutes of this 20-minute documentary. And this is the story of the first Antioch that ever got planted. So, so uh, in, in one sense, it's going to be a story of, of a bunch of other people doing, starting a church that most of you, most of us, uh, will probably never go to. But, but here's what I want us, here's why we're showing it, and here's what I want you guys to be looking and listening for. The culture and the DNA that runs through how the Antioch movement was started is the same DNA and the same culture that we uh, started Antioch Salt Lake City with. And I want us to go back, not only after the video, I'm going to talk, I'm going to tell the story of how we started Antioch Salt Lake City, but I want us to get an idea for the lineage we have as a people, that we're not out here on our own doing our own new thing for the sake of doing a new thing, but we are a part of an extended family that has a lineage uh, of living and believing and risking and loving Jesus in a certain way. And so I want to make one thing clear. Tonight is not about worshiping or glorifying Antioch. Okay? Just, you, you with me on that? We, we're, we're, we are a tribe. I like to put it, we're a tribe called Antioch. But first and foremost, as a believer, 
I am a disciple of Jesus. I'm a part of his church. I'm a part of, uh, of, of maybe a term that some of you understand or don't. It's called, I, I say, the big C church. When you hear that, the big C church means I'm, I'm a part of the global people of God. All people that call on the name of Jesus, the church, the living, breathing embodiment of the people of God. That's what we're a part of, and that's the first and foremost. And then you have this little tribe called Antioch. And I love being a part of this tribe. I love what marks us as a people and what's gonna, where we've been and where we're going. So two things I want to note before we hit play. You're going to get to see uh, the founding. You're going to get to hear from the founding uh, pastor of Antioch. His name is Jimmy. And Jimmy is recovering from something called Bell's Palsy. And he's pretty far along in the recovery. But if you don't know what Bell's Palsy is, it's essentially uh, half of his face just became paralyzed. So his mouth became paralyzed. Now, he's been months in recovery, and he's a lot better. But I want you guys driving home talking about a lot of things from church. I don't want you driving home wondering what's up with Jimmy. So that's what I'm telling you. Just, it's fine. He's fine. He, it's been like, I don't know, a really long time, many months. And uh, he's just waiting for a little bit of his mouth to, to, to self-correct, and then he'll be good to go. So there you go. And then the other thing... Part of early on, uh, part of the, the history of, of Antioch Waco and the movement, see, we've always been about the Great Commission. We've always been about planting churches, and we've always been about going to the very least of these. In the early days of Antioch, it was, where are the places that no other church is going? That's where we'll go. And so you're going to get to hear a little bit of the story of two women uh, named Heather and Dana. And you're going to see that uh, the Heather and Dana were missionaries in Afghanistan, it became worldwide news when they got uh, kidnapped by the Taliban. And they're gonna t- you're going to hear a little bit of their story. You're going to see a picture of them in the White House with George W. And I don't want you driving home wondering, who are those two women? Why were they with George W.? What was that all about? They were missionaries uh, in Afghanistan. And a big chapter of the church there in Waco was the church rallying around, praying and believing for them to get set free. Which, spoiler alert, they got set free. Okay, I think I'm done with the preamble. If we're ready to hit the lights and hit play, I'll see you in about 11 minutes. It's hard to put into words how unheard of this was. At least in the Bible Belt in America, the way that church happened was in beautiful buildings that were tied to denominations. The idea of someone meeting in an abandoned grocery store, there was no grid for that. And when people would hear, we're starting a non-denominational church and it was gonna be called Antioch, they would look at you like you were an alien. It would make you pause and think, are we crazy? Like, is this thing actually gonna work? Thinking like, are are we gonna get paid? Is anyone actually gonna come? Or is there gonna be anyone that shows up? Just wondering. When the opportunity came um, for us to plant, the question was, does Waco, Texas need another church? And the answer was no, but Waco, Texas needs a church planting church. And so we launched out, you know, uh, just with that ambition. What if we actually really lived out the kingdom? What if we really invested in people's lives? And what if we became a church planting church that again, was built on multiplying everything that we did here and around the world. When we found out that Antioch was going to be planted, I'm not a big risk taker. I'm not always looking for the latest thing, but man, something jumped inside me, and I knew we are to be part of that. Big things require big faith. 
Um, and something about it felt like crazy faith, but internally I knew like, we got to do this and, and I want to be a part of it. It really was exciting. It really made us family. One time I was talking to Jimmy and I said, what if we put all our eggs in this basket and then it doesn't work? Like this thing goes belly up. I'll never forget. He just looked at me and said, well, then we will have known that we gave everything for the purpose of Jesus and others. And I'd rather do that than play it safe. to have a desire to become a people, right? A family. And we had that in our hearts. We want to walk with these people for the rest of our lives. We want to build these people into people that can change the world. We wanted to do it together and then reproducing that around the world. We did not want to just build another great church. Our hope was that we would really be a part of a move of God. From the, really the earliest days, we were a nomadic people in the sense that we were a community of people called together, committed to walking together, um, trying to love each other and love God as best we can, but we didn't really have a physical home. Um, so um, every Sunday, we were rotating different locations around town. I remember walking in um, and feeling so much excitement. It was electric in the room. Um, and it smelled like um, a combination of beer and cigarettes and manure. And yet everyone's eyes were just lit up. Every week, was a challenge because there was so much work to do to put everything together. And but I think everybody felt like we we were planting a church. Really, nobody came to church just to spectate. Right. They walked in know, knowing I have a part. As a kid, it was exciting. Of we don't know where we're gonna be going to church that week, and we don't know who will be with us and who's gonna show up. We had. Uh, sound issues, sound problems, and yet through all of that, when the first chords were strummed, there was just a lift in the room. All of our hands are raised and our eyes are lifted to heaven, and the worship was so real. And it was from that first service I knew. Um, this is crazy and this is ragtag, but this is my family. We knew that God wanted us to have a place that we could call our own, um, a campus to draw people to, to train them. So when we bought the uh, abandoned grocery store cafeteria, it was quite a project. But for, say, 500 people, uh, that was a large amount of money just to sacrificially give to even get planted in the city. While we were raising the money, renovating the building, and moving around town, eventually we were like, hey, why don't we just meet on the parking lot? I loved the parking lot services. It was okay going around to other places, but when we could all gather, bring their lawn chairs, some of the Baylor students would bring the couch. The band was on that flatbed trailer. 
but uh, it was such a joy to be, you know, uh, putting down roots in this neighborhood. We had a biblical conviction that uh, we didn't want to be going into debt to see this building built or just operate as a church, period. There was uh, one week where the bills were due. We needed $153,000 in 24 hours. It was a lot of fun uh, seeing uh, kids walk in with their piggy banks to our office across the street um, Monday morning. Um, people sell things, you know, in a short amount of time to bring cash. Um, and in the end, at noon, we had the $153,000. We had a table in the back labeled tithe when we were meeting out on the parking lot before the building was done. And I remember TVs being on there and mink, mink coats. And it was like people were just bringing everything they had instead of just money. Some people didn't have money. I remember the day that finally it was announced, all right, we the city allowed us to get inside this building. And I think I was overwhelmed with the culmination of it in that building, seeing dreams and visions and things talked about coming true. Also then, little did I know, it was a time we were gonna get tested. We were getting to walk into a testing time. All right, let's see what's gonna happen now, God. We're driving home from vacation, actually, and it's August 2nd, and we get the phone call. Heather and Dana have been picked up by the Taliban, and immediately I just called uh, back, and I said, call all the life group leaders, set up 24-hour prayer, let's go. That night, I came in with my sleeping bag, and um, man, I, uh, yeah, it's just prepared to be up all night, not knowing how long this would last, and uh, the prayer room was filled. Our whole church really did respond. We were meeting all the time to pray and intercede. I ended up going over there thinking I would be gone a week or two and was gone almost exactly 11 weeks. I literally learned to stand on the Word, praying like crazy every day. Whenever people have to rally together uh, to see God come through in an impossible situation, something happens that pulls us together. And we became such a people during that time. So it was really exciting when he, we got the call that, that Dana and Heather had been released and there was going to be a worship service. So we all got in our cars and went to church. It's so exciting and just sweet to see the fruit of all of our prayers answered. Everybody, I knew everybody was going to congregate, you know, here, and such celebration. The worship that happened was all very spontaneous um, because there was no time to prepare for it. We, we didn't even have an hour to figure out what was going on. I remember thinking, God, what's on your heart right now? And him saying, what's on Dana and Heather's heart right now? When I heard him say that, I just started singing, Jesus loves Afghanistan. After being in Islamabad with them and a debriefing, I'm flying back a week later, I'm gonna preach on Sunday morning. And I said, God, what do I speak on after all this has happened? And the Holy Spirit speaks to me, tell the congregation to return to their first love. And I was like, Lord, that sounds like a rebuke, right? And he was like, no, 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 no. Just remind them that we're not the Heather and Dana church. We're not the church that saw the girls in Afghanistan delivered. We're the church who 
love Jesus, who love others, who love the lost. Call everybody back to simplicity of loving Jesus because I've got more than one mission for this community. I've got a mission for them to change the world and change lives locally, nationally, and internationally. One of the most important parts of our church life here has been that it's been about family. It's not been about the adults, but it's been a place where we could pull our kids in and, and let them be a part of this vision too. This led us to taking our family and three other families to Haiti, eight adults and 16 kids. And it was very much a place where the kids had their part. And I really, this was a foundation for them learning to share the gospel and, and love the lost and, and see the hurting and broken of the world. Yeah, the kids really took ownership of the process. They were in the dramas, they were in the dances, and it was just really fun to watch them seeing this, not just the adults that are the ministers, but they were able to be a part of the ministry to the people of Haiti. It made me go back to school and watch what a classic sixth or seventh grader was worrying about. And it helped me realize there's more to life than this. There are people out there that generally don't have a meal to eat. They don't have shoes, they don't own anything. It marked all of us. I just remember coming back and thinking, I can never be the same. I hope that was uh, uh, a win for you guys. If nothing else, you enjoyed the popcorn. Um, but I hope you got something out of just seeing the, the kind of the origin story of the movement. And uh, I want to talk briefly uh, about what I, what I get away, uh, what I come away with after watching that. And again, uh, there's about 10 more minutes of that, and it goes into some more incredible stuff and stories, and, and we're going to make it available to you guys. You can find it on YouTube. Um, we'll, we'll do our best to email it out, social media it out, so you guys can check out the rest of it. But um, when I watch that, a couple things stick out. When I, uh, when I see the story, I don't know, I don't know if you guys like caught some of, uh, uh, of the details, uh, and I'll bring it up along the way here, but first and foremost, it was, it was a group of people who like almost obsessively loved Jesus. I mean, it was like they, they, they had encountered him. He had changed their life. He had changed their priorities. He had, I tell the story last week uh, during the sermon about how when I showed up at Baylor, uh, the gospel in Jesus became so real, it rearranged what I wanted to do with my life and my priorities and my dreams, and it changed my future when the gospel got in and just got a hold of me, and, and, uh, and it just got a hold of a group of people, a few people that were like, we're, we're willing to look crazy, we're willing to be weird, we're willing to have this thing uh, look a little messy because we love Jesus, and we're convinced that, w that the best thing for us is to follow Him, to know Him, and to be a part of what he's doing around the world. They love Jesus, and I don't know if you caught this, there's just a, this, this uh, current of really crazy and really simple obedience. Like when, when, when they were doing, like they're, they're, they're buying a building, they don't have money, they're, they're doing parking lot services, they're renting flatbed trailers so that the band can be seen. They're, people are giving coats and t uh, TVs and whatever they have for their offering because they don't have much money, but they're willing to give and do whatever it takes to be a part of this, this family that wanted to be a, a sending ground to the nations, that wanted to, be, that wanted to love Jesus and love people and, and share the gospel. and they, Just real simple obedience. And they had a crazy amount of faith. They believed that when God, what God had spoken, that He would back up. 
that he would come through. And I love the way that their faith is expressed, especially in that Heather and Dana story. They believed that, that they had a word that they were going to be set free, but the, the way they responded, the way they lived it out was 24-7 prayer and worship. They got on their knees and they surrendered and they, they called out to heaven on behalf of those two. And, and I'll never forget, that's one of the most marking things for me as a 19-year-old kid stepping into that, that grocery store for the first time and being a part of that worship service and seeing a surrendered people that weren't interested in being like super cool and trendy, that weren't really interested in being the most popular, they were about Jesus. And I remember sitting in the back, I think it was that corner over there somewhere, and I remember looking out and seeing people all over the, the, the auditorium, all over the sanctuary, on their knees, on their faces, jumping, dancing, weeping, and it, it, it was a hook for me because I was encountering, I was tasting and seeing the goodness of God through the people of God being surrendered to Him. And it was the most attractive thing I had encountered up to that point in my life. They loved Jesus. They had a simple yes, a simple obedience, and they had crazy faith. And I want to tell the story of Antioch Salt Lake City and how, when we started and how we started and, and how we got to where we are now. Five years ago, uh, a group of people were actually a part of that church there meeting in that grocery store, and we had gotten our lives rearranged by the gospel. And there was this thing, Antioch, you heard Jimmy say their vision was Waco didn't need another good church. They needed, Waco needed a church planting church, needed a church that would multiply discipleship, multiply everything that was happening within their community uh, all around the world. And we, so we're, we're, we're a group of people there in Waco, college students that are graduating and sticking around and, and, and just being a part of the community. And God's got a hold of our heart through this thing called church planting, which is this really fancy Christian word for uh, what it looks like to go somewhere that doesn't have a church and start it from the ground up. So it started with a group of four that would become a group of six that would become a group of 20. And, and the four and the six, we, 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 uh, we knew we wanted a church plant. We knew God was calling us to be a part of, of going and leaving Waco and, and closing that chapter of our life and being a part of seeing something new started. And we didn't know where, so we just did the only thing we knew how. And we, we prayed and we worshiped. And in those early days, those, those six of us were just calling out for God. Where would you send us? And we had our own ideas of where we wanted to go. I mean, like, you would have your own idea, too. Of like, it would be awesome to go plant a church here. So if we're honest, the, between the six, uh, the six of us, there were dreams of like, we're just made to go to London or New York City, you know, Paris. Like, we were just dreaming big. And then God's like, how about Salt Lake City, Utah? It wasn't on our list. It, it's not that it wasn't at the top. No one had written it down. Most of us had, I think at that point, no one had ever been to Utah except one person of those six. I had no idea what Salt Lake was about. I mean, we just knew the stereotypes. We didn't know what was going on. I had, to be quite uh, honest, growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, zero interactions with Mormons. I had never even met. I, did, I was like, Salt Lake City, that's Mormon. Like, what are we supposed to do? Why? They're, what is happening? God, why would you call us there? What are we supposed to do? Uh, no, no, you met New York City. You, you, got, you got part of it right. You know, we're trying to correct God. Like, no, no, no. You got one of the three words right. Let us help you with the other two. 
And uh, as we continued to pray and seek God, it became so abundantly clear. He started to drop Salt Lake City in all of our hearts. And it became so clear that to not go to Salt Lake City would be active disobedience. And so at the beginning, we were like, to be honest, maybe some of you can, re- can resonate. If you, who's not from Salt Lake City? Oh my gosh. Hands down. Who's from Salt Lake City? Hey, let's go. Proud to know you guys. That's amazing. Okay. Where was I going with that? If you, not being from Salt Lake, like when God, when it became so clear, we're moving to Salt Lake City. I look at, at my wife, Kate. I'm like, we're moving to Salt Lake City. And to be honest, we didn't want to. It's like some of you are like, God, I'll go if you, like, I'll go if you make me. I'll go if it's so clear, but you got to give me a heart for it. You got to give me a heart if I'm going to make it there. I mean, my wife, uh, like sixth generation Texan, her whole family lived in the same town. Her parents have been together since they were literally like known each other since kindergarten. Her family was the tight-knit southern Texan family that you picture, and, and a lot of tears were shed when we said, we're going to move a two-hour plane ride away. It was heartbreaking for the family. My family, we were used to just being apart, so it wasn't as heartbreaking. Leaving family, leaving friends, leaving the place where I grew up. I, entered, I, I landed in Waco, an 18-year-old kid trying to get away from God, hoping to party at this small private Christian institution, and, and I... Eight years later, I've married the love of my life and my best friend. She's six months pregnant. We're about to start the journey of becoming a parent. We're terrified. We don't know. The plan was to have both of our families within an hour drive. And suddenly God's saying, go to Utah where you won't know anyone. And you won't have your mom to help you with your newborn. And you won't have your friends uh, that you had here to rally around you. And it was scary. And, and, and we didn't know why. But it, it was so clear that God was calling us to Salt Lake. And so we began to pray. God, we're going, but you got to give us a heart. you got to make us fall in love with the people of Utah, with the people of Salt Lake City. I can't tell you how long it took. It took some time. We fell in love with Salt Lake City. We moved and landed April of 2015. My wife and I were the first ones here because she was six months pregnant. So it was either go early or stay late, and we were not going to miss out on what God was doing. And so uh, we land uh, in, uh, uh, on Wilson Avenue, overall 700 East, uh, in April of 2015. And we had, a, uh, over the next month or so, in total, we would have 20 people from Texas come out here and, and say yes to starting this thing with us. And uh, we did the only thing we knew how. We started meeting for Life Group. We were 20 transplants, if, and you guys know the deal. If you don't find community anywhere in America, anywhere in the world, you've got to find your people. But in Salt Lake, it's like to another level. If you don't have your community, you're, you're like, you're toast. This is just such, I mean, the city was founded on isolation. It's just a part of the DNA here. And if you are isolated, you're not going to make it long. How many people have, I've lived here for five years. There's more people than I care to admit that have left because they just haven't found their community. So I would say, if we're, if we're your tribe, come join us. Come be a part of the family. Come be a part of what we're doing. If we're not the flavor you're looking for, you're blessed and released, go find somewhere to plug in. Don't try to do Utah on your own. Don't try to do life on your own. You're not made for it. Find your community and plug in. So we started having life group. 
And we started just praying. I mean, and we, would, we were doing this back in Waco. We would meet at Kate and I's house in our living room. The 20 of us would just gather and say, some of us were like, had all the vision in the world for what God was going to do in Salt Lake. Some of us were like, I don't want to go. And so we would have worship playing, and there'd be people crying over here, and there'd be people crying over here. And I remember being like, I don't know if those are tears of joy or tears of like, God, take this away. But we were on our knees saying, God, you're calling us. You're doing something, and we want to be a part of it. We started asking, give us promises to stand on. Give us a word to believe, to stand on. And so he started back in Waco as we were praying for you guys, as we were praying for the people that we'd eventually meet in the city. We felt like God started dropping some promises in our hearts. The first one, if you've been around here any length of time, you've heard it. The first one, clear as day, we felt like God said that he's doing something historic in the state of Utah and that he was inviting us to be a part. It's, it's important you catch this. We are not the historic thing in Utah. We are joining a historic move of God. And the people that have been here uh, their whole life, the people that have seen uh, the culture of Salt Lake City shift and the, and the culture of the kingdom shift in the city can attest. There's something going on in this city that's never happened before. And we get to be a part of it. We're not the answer. We are not the history, uh, uh, the history maker here. God is. But he so clearly back in Waco to the group of people said, I'm inviting you to be a part of it. And you, I'm going to do it without you or not. Would you, would, would you come and join me in this? We feel like we got words about worship. That's why we really value worship, on, not only on Sundays, but in life groups and in our own times with God. felt like God promised that a new sound was coming out of the valley, that he was redeeming the worship that had been happening here over generations and was going to cultivate a new generation of worshipers. Pictures of the crown of mountains around the valley becoming a crown of praise to heaven. All sorts of words about that. And out of Isaiah 35, we felt like God promised that streams of living water were going to gush forth in the desert. That he was going to revive what had been dead. He was going to bring restoration and hope and life. And here's the crazy thing. I didn't know this was a desert. I don't know if you all did when, before you moved. I remember moving here. One of the first couple of weeks, I'm like, come home. I whip open the door. I'm like, Kate, this is a desert. That word we've been praying for months. How cool is that? And I think she probably was like, yeah, I know, but I'll, you know, I'll play along here for a moment. I thought, just thought it was the coolest thing. God has promised revival. He's promised a historic move. He's promised restoration and hope in life. So the 20 of us started gathering over there on Wilson Avenue. A bunch of 20, most of us were in our 20s. I think one or two people were in their 30s. Everyone else, if we're honest, young 20s to mid-20s. That was us. We didn't have all the training. We had never led churches. We had never led movements. We had never planted a church before. We were just a group of people that had heard God, were willing to simply obey, had crazy faith that the things he had been promising, he was going to back up and he was going to do. And so we said, let's do it. If you'll use me, I was 25 at the time. If you'll use a 25-year-old who seven years ago was running away from you, didn't want anything to do with you, if you'll use me to share the gospel, to let people encounter the love of Jesus that I've encountered, let's go. I'm in. And so we started meeting for life group in our house, just the 20 of us praying. And that life group of 20 turned into about, you know, 30 or 40 people coming over to our house and watching sporting events. And if we're honest, it's a sporting event that no one really likes. It's hockey. It's like one of my favorite sports, but no one else really loves it. And so I was like, wait, 30 people are like 
coming and bringing food and drinks and having a party to watch the Chicago Blackhawks? They're not here for that. They're here for something else. And so we said, well, why don't we just tell everyone, hey, let's go, let's go hang out at Liberty Park. We'll grill out some food. We'll hang out. We started, we went over to Liberty Park. Again, we've been in Salt Lake for like less than 60, 90 days. And we're like, all right, let's just see what happens. 90 days in, we had 70 plus people coming to Liberty Park, wanting food, want to hang out, but and play volleyball. I remember getting in the car um, with Kate to drive home. Our, our daughter, Eleanor, was born in June. So she was like an infant, newborn. So we probably left like really early. And so we're driving home and I'm just like, God, oh, that was amazing. There's so many people there. I, I can't wait till we start the church. And I remember her, I mean, she's, you guys have picked up on this by now. She's the wise one. And she looks at me and she goes, we already have a church. Now we got to serve them. Our plan when we moved as, a, as the 20 of us was to take the, the summer and the fall of 2015 and not do anything church related. We were just going to learn how to be a part of the community in the city here. We were just going to take it easy. People were getting jobs and just, you know, figuring out what the grid system, ninth and ninth, what are you talking about? Where is, where is what, what's happening here? And, and we said in the spring of 2016, we'll start trying to gather some people and we'll actually start to plant the church. And so almost against our best efforts, God was planting a church. Like, like, like we were not the best team at the beginning. We were like, God, we're just going to take it slow and he was like, I don't got time for your patience. And we looked around. And so uh, based on, on all the just people coming, what God was doing, we, we said, let's, let's have a church. Let, let's have a Sunday service. We had our first ever Sunday service on October 4th, 2015, months before we were ever planning on even starting to gather people. And we met over on Hills, at Hillside Middle School. Maybe you know where it is, over there on 23rd East. Beautiful. The schools here are they're amazing. That middle school is nicer than the high school that I dropped out of. So I can tell that story another time. But 600-seat auditorium, we have our first ever Sunday service, 97 people come. Hey, it was amazing. We packed that thing out. Just kidding. We didn't at all. It was awkward. Just like rows and rows and rows of empty seats. And we're like, yeah, we're believing they're all going to get filled. But we had 97 people. That's amazing. I remember leading up to that first Sunday, and if I'm honest, if I'm completely vulnerable with you guys, to this day, every weekend I get nauseous. I don't really eat on Sundays because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if anyone's going to come, and especially when the service starts and there's like no one in here. I'm like, oh, Lord, no one's coming. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. But in those early days, it was like, why would anyone come to our church? What do we have to offer? I mean, the self-doubt and the like, God, you know, just mixed in with this, God, we believe you're doing something historic. Really? Through us? What are we doing? We had no idea what we were doing. We we're trying to turn an 80,000 square foot school into like an 8,000 square foot church that could feel like home. People were wandering the halls trying to find the kids ministry and trying to find the bathrooms. We were, we, uh, they're not in, the, in this service, but a couple of the guys in the beginning spent hours, and I'm not even exaggerating, hours and going and getting ladders and coming back just to put a sign above the door that said Antioch. They couldn't figure out how to get it to stay uh, straight. Hours of like just putting banners up and, and 10,000 door hangers put on doors in the neighborhood, walking for hours. Some of you guys helped us with that. It was, it was, and every week it was like, God, are you really, is this really happening? Like they said in the beginning of, that, of the movie, is anyone going to come? 
Like we move, we 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 moved everything. We risked everything for this. Is anything really? Is this going to happen? And slowly but surely, through those days at Hillside, we just kept doing what we knew how to do: worshiping Jesus, loving Him, inviting people. And and after a few months at Hillside, um, the neighborhood around there did not like that there was a Christian church meeting in their neighborhood. And so they began to put a pressure on the school administration. And so the school administration came to us and said, hey, legally we can't kick you out, but if you don't leave, we're going to lose our jobs. Will you, could you leave? And we're like, yes, we like you. We love you. We're not, we're not going to get you fired. We will leave. And so we began the process of looking for our next space, and we had no idea where we were going to go. We had a couple months to find it with, a, I want to say, roughly two-ish, three-ish weeks before we were going to be homeless. We found this event center that was four to five times more expensive than we could ever afford. We sat down with them and just through miracle after miracle after miracle, God just opened the door and said, yes, this is where you're going to be, and they made it work for us. And we've been here ever since, since the spring of 2016. And this is where we've become family. This is where we've grown both in number and size. We've gone to two services. We've grown in, 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 our, in our DNA and our culture of wanting to be a family that's rooted in Scripture and led by the Holy Spirit and loves Jesus and on mission and just want to love the Salt Lake City and be a sending place to the nations. We've had parties and potlucks. We've had salvations and baptisms. It's been an amazing ride, but that chapter of our story is coming to a close. I got off the phone two weeks ago with the owner of uh, this event center, who, by the way, relationship is great with. There's no relational awkwardness or weirdness, but Trolley has decided not to renew their lease on the kids' building. So starting January 1, they will only be operating in this building, which means that we won't be able to meet here anymore. And how cool is it that our last Sunday in this space will be our Christmas service, December 22nd? We're going to celebrate like crazy. It's going to be amazing as we uh, close out this chapter uh, of our church, and we start to uh, look at what's next. So I bet you're wondering, wanting to know where we're going. I have no idea. Not one clue. The detail-oriented people in the room, you want the scoop. You, want the de- I'm, you think I'm holding back. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know where we'll be come January 1, but I know who we'll be. I know we're going to be a people who love Jesus like crazy. I know we're going to be a people of simple obedience. I know we're going to be a people of crazy faith. And that who we are will always trump, will always matter more than where we are. I want, you know, I heard a long time ago, I heard that church should look like family. So we wanted to bring you in on this process and on this journey. As we begin to look over the next four months to find a new home. Four months. Man, in the timing of heaven, four months is honestly probably too much time for God. But I understand there's, there can be, for some in the room, there can be that anxiety. Where, four months to find a whole new building, a whole new setup, to figure out money, to figure out logistics, to figure out location, to figure out how to, all the, I get it. It's my job to get it. <laughs> it's also my job to make sure we understand God knows what he's doing. If we operated out of fear, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't ever came. I would have hung up the phone in Waco and looked at my wife and said, no, we're about to have a kid. We're staying with our family. And all the families that moved and all the people that moved had all the reasons why this was a crazy idea, why it made no sense. 
But things in the kingdom, ah, they shouldn't. Ah, I just, I have a conviction in my bones. We need to be stretched as a people. I think the next four months is going to be, we're all going to be discipled by Jesus. And what does it look like to love him, to trust him, to believe he knows what he's doing, to have crazy faith, and to be willing, like one of those guys said, I love it, James Mark Gulley was, was the worship leader and still is, and he said, just that feeling of, this is ragtag, this is messy, but this is family. That's my heart for all of us tonight, is that before, as we get into all the questions and the details, and so, so here's what you need to know before I go into my heart for tonight. There's going to be a lot of details coming in the next four months as we, as we do everything we know how to do. We uncover every stone. We make every phone call. We, we pursue every lead. We pursue everything. We're going to do everything we can. But first and foremost, we're going to be getting on our knees. We're going to be surrendering once again saying, God, you know what you're doing. You called us here. We're, the, the promises that you spoke over us in Waco, the promises you've spoken over individuals in this church, what we've seen happen over the last four years is still yes and amen. We trust you and we love you. We're going to be bringing you guys into the process, letting you know, hey, here's what staff's praying for. Here's when staff is fasting. Here's how you can join us. And then as we start to go down the road on some whatever location we have, you'll have an opportunity to speak into that process because we should make decisions as a family. So be ready. There's going to be a ton of stuff coming in the next four months. And I will let you know. When I have information, I'll let you know. But right now, before we jump into all that, we had to step back and remember who we are. We're a people of faith and surrender and obedience. We're a people who love Jesus. I cannot wait to see what the next four years look like. I can't wait to see what our 20-year video looks like. And the crazy things that we, the crazy steps of obedience that didn't make any sense. The things that we said yes to that no other people might say no to. But we're like, God's got a word and we're standing on it. Before I end, just so you know, I'm officially nine minutes over what I was supposed to be. But, you know, dinner can wait for a minute. I want to end by sharing one of the words that we got in our house on... (laughs) on Grimm Avenue in Waco, Texas. That was a really bummer first uh, location for a house, but we loved it. And that's where we met as a team to pray about Salt Lake. And that's where we got this word of Isaiah 35. I would encourage you to just read the whole thing. I'm going to read part of it. Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, and say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. And then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the eyes of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. And a highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. And the unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and they'll come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That promise was spoken years ago. That promise has been, is being spoken tonight. We stand on that. And as a church, I cannot wait to watch how God brings that to fruition through this little tribe called Antioch.
If you're, part of, if you're one of those people that started off, one of those 20 people that moved from Waco out here, if you're in the room, will you stand up? I don't know if there's any left. We had a few. <laughs> Let's give Chris and Julie some props. Stay standing. Stay standing. Here's what I want to say. This is, we're, we're not here to be the Texas church. We're not here to glorify those 20 people and put them on a pedestal and say this is all about them. This church is about all of us being a family. If you've been with us since Hillside and you're in the room, has anyone in the room been with us since Hillside? Stand up. There we go. We've got a couple. Stay standing. Stay standing. Here we go. Hey, if, if you've been with us for, for, for the last two years or so, just roughly, uh, would consider yourself being apart for two years, stand up. Let's go. All right. Hey. If 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 you started check if you started coming to stuff, checking stuff out within the last year, you'd say you started coming to Antioch. Go ahead and stand up. Let's go. Hey. Now here's the deal. The the rest of the people standing could be first time guests, could be years that I didn't mention, but here's the bottom line. If you're in the room and you have the ability to stand. Go ahead and stand. The temptation will be for us to leave and think, well, this thing is all about Waco, and this thing's all about Texas, and this thing's all about those 20 people, and this thing's all about the leaders, and this thing's all about the staff. And if this thing is ever all about the staff, we are cutting ourselves at the knees, and we are not being the church we're called to be. This is about all of us becoming a people, becoming a family that put Jesus at the center, that surrender and obey simply when he says to move and have crazy faith. This is wherever the next four years, the next 10 years take us, it's going to take us as a family getting there to be healthy. Let's do the only thing we know how to do. Let's pray. And let's end where we began with worship. Join me. Jesus, we trust you. And once again, we say, Antioch, Salt Lake City is yours. We trust you to lead. We trust you to God. We trust you to speak. We trust you to move. We trust you to, to bring miracles, to make a way where there is no way. I speak to every anxious heart. I say, be still, fear not. God's going to show up. God, thank you for what you've done in the last four years. Thank you that we stand on the shoulders of the men and women who have worked and, and, and sown seeds and believed for this city for generations before we came. Thank you that we get to be a part of something historic. We say we trust you with our church. We trust you with our families. We trust you with our lives. And we trust you to make good on every promise you've spoken. We worship you tonight. Amen.